What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manderfeld. Nick Budig and Robert Singler, as always, are with me. And uh, maybe some good news, good news on the lockout front. Um, by the time you're listening to this, you might know a little bit more than we do, but it sounds like a deal is not impossible by the deadline um, for games to be canceled on a Monday night here, February 28th. So let's hope some good news comes in while we're doing this podcast and uh, we can actually talk about the preseason and ramping up into the actual MLB season because uh, this lockout has uh, been not fun for all of us. And I went on a little bit of a rant on Twitter, probably a little premature, but if they do cancel games, I'll be very, very upset because, you know, baseball is just, for whatever reason, they like to shoot themselves in the foot. And uh, it's just another example. But uh, today prospects again and maybe a little bit of lockout talk if things do happen but um we're gonna go in depth at least on the rangers and maybe uh, a team or two beyond that but that sounds like we've got plenty on the rangers so uh, might just keep it to that we'll see how it goes because last week we thought we could go to a lot more than we did we only ended up with two teams and um that's what you mm-hmm. get when you have nick and robert together the the prospect ep- uh, experts but guys uh how are you feeling tonight a little optimistic uh excited to talk prospects What's going on? I uh, I'm uh, excited to talk prospects. Uh, I was a little bummed today because it got so warm up here, and it was it felt like it was spring training weather for a Minnesotan. Snow is melting, but uh, like you said, we're uh, no spring training still. So that was a little bummer. But I'm excited to talk prospects. I love uh, love Texas Ranger prospects. Yeah, good system. It sounds like or overrated, Robert. It's it's not bad. It's okay. Not as good as the others we talked about so far. No, not even on the slightest of no, no, not even slightest close. of slights. Not even close. Actually, I do need to say one thing because I hyped up everyone last week about this <clears throat> underrated Giants prospect that I wanted to get back to. So I'm gonna mention his name. I, if I botch his name, I'm not surprised because I don't know that much about him. So it's pronounced either Iverson or Everson Ortega. He's 18 years old in the Giants system, and he looks like a baby Fernando Tatis Jr. Some people think he's better than Marco Luciano. Just want to put that out there. There you go. That's your wow. prospect for the day. That's pretty insane. Fast hands. Some big names. Any downside there? Uh, yeah, he's 18. He's, 18. And he's, <laughs> he's super young, so <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, – you know, not a lot to see yet. There's more to grow. <laughs> Got to wait and Got see. It. We have to wait and see what we're going to see. See so how it is, all these prospects. Um, so, yeah, we'll be here every week, lockout or not. Uh, let's hope no lockout, but um, follow along. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your audio. We're on social media at Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And our email is thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. That's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. All right, so I don't know. You guys want to jump to prospects? Talk a little about the lockout. Yeah, let's get on a, a tangent. I'm I'm ready to hear what you got to say, Luke. Because a tangent, yeah. The lockout thing Love has gotten me Twitter pretty tangents. upset. And since I don't get to talk about the prospects that often, because I'm not the guy that Let goes loose. in depth like you guys do, I think this is my time to shine here. On Let this, loose on this episode. Um, so just to kind of give you an update, the lockout is uh, still going on, and uh, the deadline, uh, as you're listening, is February 28th. Uh, was the deadline. I don't know if they, they'll push it or not. You'll know. But uh, it looks like they will not reach a deal. They're getting closer. 
And it just kind of is a whole confusing endeavor because MLB imposed the lockout in December, early December, waited, you know, 40 days to meet with the MLB players, uh, or the players union. And even when they did, there was no, you know, rushed conversations until about a week ago. And they started meeting every day. So they waited like two months before they even really wanted to get anything done, which in itself is pretty ridiculous. But if you look at how the negotiations have gone, MLB hasn't even really come to the table in good faith. I mean, we're talking like incremental changes, like pennies on the dollar compared to what the MLPA is looking for. And it doesn't even seem mm-hmm. like they want to get a deal done. They're 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 trying to push the players to their breaking point. And I think at some point the players, yeah, they, they might lose paychecks, but they might say enough is enough. Now, this could be a bad take by the time this comes out tomorrow. But it's ridiculous how MLB has been treating this. The owners are blinded by these short-term profits. And by short-term, I mean like the next 10 years over the long-term good of the game, which is actually playing games and having people watch games instead of all this negative publicity baseball's gotten. I I mentioned this a few weeks ago about the pandemic. Baseball could have been the first sport back during the pandemic in the summer Mm -hmm. or late summer. Yeah. Instead, it was NHL and... Uh, you know, baseball was way behind because they couldn't come to an agreement, and it all it, it came to you know Rob Manfred just unilaterally, unilaterally, is just saying we're gonna play games, and they didn't even come to a real agreement. So now they've got to come to the table, they've got to come up with something, and I I hundred percent believe this is on the owners. I believe the players have come to the table in good faith to negotiate. It's a little bit their fault that they've gotten screwed over by the past two CBAs. They're trying to make up some ground on it, but it seems like they are willing to compromise whereas the owners are not. And, um, you know, if there is a lockout, I can easily say Rob Manfred might be one of the worst commissioners in baseball history. For what he has done to the game in the past five years alone is almost irreparable. And uh, we're going to see this for many, many years to come. Kids love to play baseball. They don't like to watch baseball. And there's got to be a way to reach the, you know, the younger audience. And a lockout is just another way of shooting yourself in the foot. There's no games on, and they're just going to go watch another sport. They kind of already are. Baseball's behind. And even for mm. us, passionate fans, we're talking about watching Asian baseball instead, even when baseball MLB comes back. I mean, honestly, if they have a lockout and they come back, I'm not going to be as passionate about it. I mean, it's just like I'm so pissed off and angry about how they're treating the fans in this situation. Mm. We want to watch baseball, and uh, they don't yeah. seem to really understand and really care about us. Yeah, it's uh, I I mean, a hundred percent agree. I think it with the whole pandemic thing, we I mean, think we all saw that. We all said saw that they had a chance to to make a big step forward and 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 marketing themselves by being the first team back, first first sport back. Like you said, they missed, they dropped the ball on that. Um, and then all of this labor negotiation, the lockout, all this crap is going on. It's it's tough because this is like, this is the probably the biggest um sports lockout we've had in a while since the probably the nba one and even then nba wasn't struggling too much with with marketing with fan attendance or 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 with uh with uh viewership whereas baseball has been struggling with viewership and i think right now is a time where they don't have a lot of ground to make up i mean they don't have a lot, they don't have a lot of backing for people so their last one they no one really had social media i think that's a big part with lockouts we saw the nhl one that was a, that was horrendous on their part they've been taking 15 years to get back where they are um so yeah just the fact that we don't have they don't have anything to stand on and they're still hurting us fans 
mentioned you you mentioned in your in in your your infamous tweet earlier about how a lot of hardcore fans like our group of friends are are, are starting to think I don't know if we're gonna be that into it this year just because of of everything that we're being thrown through. Um, I mean, when it gets down to it, it's 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 entertainment. That's what these guys are. They're entertainment, and we're watching a, a, a sport, but it's still entertainment for us. It's something that 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 a lot of people enjoy to watch. It's something a lot of people like to to get together and do. And if they're not gonna let us do it, we're gonna. Move I mean, on. college baseball is going on right now. That's fun to watch. I mean, like you said, Asian baseball is going on. Minor leagues will be going on. Prospects. Minor I'd rather leagues. Watch that. <laughs> I mean, MLS is starting up right now. I might just watch. Start <laughs> watching Cups that all. This fall. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, there's opportunities for me to not watch watch any MLB. So, I agree. It's it's awful. There's always something to watch besides baseball. I mean, they're 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 treating it like we're all. Everyone's just gonna come back and act like nothing's wrong. If you look back at 1994, I'll argue, and I obviously wasn't alive at this time, so maybe I'm coming from a place of ignorance, but I'll argue that solidified baseball's place as a second-rate sport to football. I think baseball mm-hmm. used to be the most popular sport in America, even as late early, as late as like the 70s and 80s. Then after that lockout, fans didn't come back, and football is now by far the most watched game. And that's due to a lot of different factors, but I think the strike in 94 really did hurt baseball standing among the major sports. And if this happens again, I, it's really scary to think of what could happen to major league baseball. Yeah. And I mean, it just to kind of go on that note, the thing is we had the pandemic, right? And there were no fans. That was a big detrimental to not only baseball, to all sports in general, but baseball, like you said, is not as marketable as the NFL and the NBA. And therefore it really took a hit. And now we have these people that are the money grubbers, I want to call them in this situation, whether you have Rob Manfred, the owners. These guys just seem to just want to get pocket of money out of people, and they're just not finding any way to make an agreement on anything at this point. It's it's basically mm-hmm. their way or the highway, and that's the way Manfred's always thought as he's been commissioner. I mean, if it's if it doesn't stand with him, it doesn't matter. If other players, for example, with the Astros scandal that happened – if everyone else disagrees with it, he doesn't care. It's if he agrees with it, he thinks the punishment's right. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the problem is with him. That's his process, his thinking. And I know it's different than the situation we're talking about here, but it, it compares his mentality, his personality, and it just goes to show this guy's a crooked guy running, running a game that we yeah. absolutely love that is absolutely horrendous at what he does. I just, it seems like he's always saying something that that is just putting the foot in his mouth. I think with I mean going back to yeah, the whole that's what I was gonna say. the whole trophy thing, where it's a, just a piece of metal. To uh, what do you say about owning a baseball team isn't that profitable? Yeah, he said it's not that profitable. He said it's it's I mean, worse the, in the stock market. He was like he was bragging about being a lawyer on the ninety four in nineteen ninety four and all that, and it's just like he seems like. It seems like that's the kind of response he'd be like, "Oh, we're gonna get through it." I was I was a lawyer in nineteen ninety four. Well, owners are going to win this again. Uh, Nick, that's exactly what I was going to say because if you look back at his comments made out made throughout this lockout, he said canceling games would be disastrous. He said we're doing a lockout because you know we want to come get them to come to the bargaining table. That never happened for you know two months, and whatever he says, he doesn't do. Like he is just a, his his actions don't back up what he's saying, and that's what's the most frustrating part with him. You know the Ast- You mentioned you mentioned the Astro scandal, Robert. That was you know just a terrible all round ordeal. But the fact that no players got punished in that, and everyone pretty much agreed that a play- some players should have been punished. They got immunity. Absolutely ridiculous. He just botched it completely. And ever since he's taken you know this role, 
he has not made one good decision. I cannot think of one good decision he's made. Um, so I just, he, like I said, he might be the worst commissioner of all time, especially if this lockout goes down. And people thought Bud Selig was bad. I disagree with you full heartedly for all the people who said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Bud Selig kind of tough. He did screw up the steroid yeah. stuff, but other than that, I think he was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, because it, they had it, no lockouts because there was a, issues with CBAs and lockouts back in the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties, as we know. And Bud Selig did never have an issue with that, so that's a win, I think. Yeah, I think notoriously it was the fact that that C League was purely. I mean, he was obviously he was a baseball fan. He owned the Brewers and all that, and so it's obvious that he he enjoyed the game. Whereas you see, uh, Manfred's a lawyer, and this is a business to him, and so that's like. I mean, obviously, like you said, C League made some issues, and I don't don't have a huge opinion on him just because I didn't really have a big opinion on commissioners back then, but. Uh, it's just awful to see what Manfred has done, decided to do, and, and keeps on doing. Yeah, it's sad. But we can move on. Uh, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because that's what's been top of mind. I mean, well, this could this conversation could mean nothing when this comes out tomorrow. But I, I have a feeling they'll still be talking tomorrow um, from what I'm seeing in the tweets that they're still pretty far apart on a deal. Um, all right, Rangers prospects. Uh, Robert, you took a little bit of a deep dive into it. Nick, I know you know your stuff too. So, uh, Robert, why don't you take it away, and where do you want to start this thing? I think we got to start with their number one prospect, according to everybody, and that is Josh Young, a third baseman for the Texas Rangers. The, the issue with him has been the injuries. He just got a torn labrum, so now his stock is about to fall. But this is a guy who also previously had a stress fracture as well on his left foot the season before, so I have to mention that as well. This is a guy who is absolutely a hit machine. He's got mm-hmm. power to both sides of the field. He knows how to hit with two strikes. He finds gaps, hits the ball incredibly hard. He has one of the hardest hit rates in the, in the minors. And his plate discipline is out of this world, like Chris Bryant good. And the issue with him currently is the injuries. Now, this guy mm. has been playing first base recently, so he's not looking like a third baseman long term. And that could be because of the stress fracture in his foot, where you don't really see the mobility as he, as he grows even more into his body, even though I would say he's probably close to where he is filled up, but... That it's something to be said about his age. And with that being said, it's it's the thing that he's just an incredible hitter. And it doesn't matter what his defense does, it's how he's going to hit. Whether he's a DH or he's a first baseman, he's got ridiculous amount of talent in his hit tool where it's a 60, in my opinion, in the, in the 2080 scale. And anything else is like not even matterful. If you could talk about his power too, some people have given his power only a 55. I'd say his power is a 60. Because he has that type of bat speed that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has. This guy hits the ball extremely well, really hard. He's one of those guys that everybody loves, but you worry about the injury history. And I think this is someone that is a very special talent. And I think another reason the Rangers went out and got Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager in the free agency before the lockout is because they were worried about Josh Young's future. Because they weren't sure how his health was going to play out. They knew something was going on in his labrum. And, of course, it comes out later after the signings. And I think that's what they need to think about uh, long-term. So maybe Josh Young ends up getting moved and playing somewhere else, but the talent is no lie. Yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the only really concern with him is the is the injury. I mean, outside of just being a, a, a subpar fielder, like you said, he's already he's playing first base. That's probably the position that suits him, whether it's the injury. But like you said, the dude just mashes. I mean, he has easy potential to be a 300 hitter. Um, great, like you said, 
great, great knowledge of the zone. Um, I think the big the, the the power question was kind of answered this past season when he started bopping with with some adding some doubles into his game. Um, to me, he's clearly like you said the Rangers' number one prospect, um, and I think he is 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 the like you said twenty three injuries. Um, I do agree. I think the Seager and Simeon are are big deals for him because I think they are a little bit of protection, even though they're both older. They don't really have much behind him. Uh, so to me, I, I love his bat. He's going to play anywhere if he's going to be a DH, which obviously would hurt his hurt his uh, value. But even then, I mean, his defense isn't going to do much. Where his bat is just it's going to play anywhere. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough, like like you said. But uh, to me, I think he's he's an elite bat with uh, with big big potential with the with the big leagues. Yeah, and according to rankings, Prospects Live has them number 11 in their top 100. And MLB, I know they're a year old right now because they have their own list that they have to make and agree with MLB, et cetera, et cetera. But they had them at number 10. So there's definitely high praise for Josh Young in the MLB pipeline or, or uh, source and also the Prospect source, Prospect Live source. So there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of potential in Josh Young. How deep does the Ranger system go? You were talking that you were you were like deep in it, so yeah. So the question is, what do you like, right? And the one guy that I think you have to talk about that nobody talks about enough is Dustin Harris, and he's a first baseman, third baseman who actually is now playing the outfield, probably to speed up his bat. If you look at him from the left-handed side, if you just pull up some tape and watch him a little bit, you're going to see a muscular specimen, a guy who just knows how to play the game. He's got some of the best makeup in the organization, people have said. He was in the trade with the Oakland Athletics in that Mike Miner deal, and he was a player to be named later. Well, he ended up being one of the best A-ball hitters last year in high A, excuse me, no, low A, and he ended up being one of the best hitters all around. He's got speed for a first baseman, third baseman, just like kind of like how Paul Goldschmidt had speed in the minors when he was raking, and he's also got a very, very simple approach, kind of similar to Freddie Freeman, but not exactly but he's got that type of loft swing that plays mm-hmm. really well with two strikes. And the one thing that people rave about him is he continues to get better. He continues to um, perform under pressure. He continues to grow. He's already put on like 20 pounds. They say he's listed at 220 now in uh, um, their uh, minor league uh, camp, whatever you want to call that, right now currently. And they think he's going to end up being the leader of the Texas Rangers outside of Seager and Simeon. He's going to be the young guy that's going to up and come and become the guy who's going to take everyone under the wing and teach them the ropes. This guy just flat out is just unbelievable. I love Josh Young, don't get me wrong, but I think Dustin Harris might have better potential just because of his tools. They're much louder. He can play the outfield potentially. He's got an incredible, like I said, his body. You look at it and it just looks like a built specimen athletic person. And I would actually comp him, uh, Nick, to someone in the NPB right now, Munataka Mirakami. One of the better third basemen in NPB who's absolutely athletic. First baseman, third base, and he's a big guy as well, 6'3", 220. They're both the same size, and Dustin Harris looks like a guy who's going to be a long-term piece for the Rangers. And Jack, uh, I think it's Jack Daniels, right? Or something like that for the the GM, Daniels something. I forget his mm-hmm. first name. But he's the guy who ended up making that minor deal, and Dustin Harris has been an asset for them ever since that trade. Yeah, it, he's he's kind of interesting to me too because of when he was was with the A's, he was such a he when I mean, he was still a good hitter, but he was so so line drive heavy, 
And obviously, there was still the contact there. There was still the hard contact. He was smoking line drives all over the place. But he wasn't until he was with the Rangers that he started to untap that power, which is absolutely ridiculous, like you said. And it's so interesting to me because he's, like you said, he's a big guy, but he has such a tight, compact swing that he can just explode on balls. It's like he just has developed this incredible torque in his body on inside fastballs. He can touch outside pitches. So to me, I, I think he has a big potential too. It's whether if he can keep up with this home run, if that hurts his hurts his contact ability, just because obviously when you're going for home runs, you're, you're changing up your swing a little bit, and he's been such a line drive heavy guy. Um, I love him. I think, I, don't, I mean, I, he's to me, he's also in the same thing as Jung. I don't think he's in a – He's not going to be a great fielder where he ends up being a DH or not. So maybe there is some potential for a trade for for either one of those guys. Obviously, this team has some solid pitchers in, in coming up in, at the majors already. But uh, to me, he's another guy that falls into that junk category of solid hitting. Um, a little bit different style just because of his line drive approach coming up. That's kind of developing. Like you said, with Freeman came up, he was a line drive guy and all of a sudden started mashing. So I like him a lot too. I think he's... a has big potential just like Jung. It's just a matter of if he can keep up with the power. What about uh, Cole Wynn? I know we got we to gotta harp on this one. So the best, according to everyone, pitching prospect outside of Jack Leiter in this organization. And people have been raving about how good his breaking stuff is, his numbers in the minors, how he did really well at double A. But there's something to be said that his breaking stuff really isn't as crisp as everyone thinks. I watched four starts of his, and I'll tell you what, the only thing I liked from him was his fastball. I think his fastball plays mm-hmm. just as well as Joe Ryan's fastball. I think it's probably about a 60, but because he keeps kind of leaving it up in the zone and not quite getting the finish downward on it, I think it's more of a 55, but the potential is a 60. But the breaking stuff was probably not that much better than where George Kirby is right now for the Seattle Mariners and the breaking stuff. I think both of them have very overrated breaking stuff right now. They do have potential to be above average, but currently it doesn't sit well in my stomach to agree to say Cole Wynn has a 60 slider or a 55 curveball. I think they're both in the average category, and I think really he's been getting away very luckily with fastballs, and it's been very good for him up in the zone. But outside of that, there hasn't really been a lot to buzz about for me on that side of the coin with Cole, with Cole Wynn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what was it before 2021 i think he had 60 innings and that was came in 2019 he didn't pitch in 2020 um but he he when he came up when he drafted he was kind of looked at as a as a control guy i didn't i don't think there was much much of debate on whether he was an overpowering wipeout kind of guy but when he was coming in it was it was control and obviously like you said 69 pro ball pro ball pro ball innings pitched um was kind of the there was not really a lot of tape on him just more of the hype behind it but I think this past season proved that that he's going to be a a, a zone pounder I think he has the command to do that whether he's going to have any anything to wipe out guys whether he's just abusing a minor league pitching with his fastball to me gosh I don't know I he's I honestly think he's on 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 par with Jack Leiter I know I like Jack Leiter before the draft and I still like him but I don't think either of them are are ace bound pitchers I think both of them are, are are twos or threes at most um so to me honestly i think they're both solid pitching solid solid uh uh uh, a depth for them um to me but that's also why i'm not a huge rangers prospect fan just because of 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 jace jung and then i don't see a whole lot of elite big name prospects behind him 
there's some there's some like you said Dustin Harris but Wynn and Leiter are both three starters to me um and that's 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 kind of my view on Wynn I think he's going to be command guy fastball slider and curveball are average like you said they're nothing great um he just he's he has to pitch in the zone because like you said nothing great so to me it's it's whether he can really command that fastball if he's gonna throw up he's gonna throw up I mean we've, we've talked about that that's kind of the movement with the with the loft swing we've only seen a few pit hitters be able to to adjust to that um so I don't know I think I think win is is has potential to be a be a okay starter nothing great but uh, to me with all the hype I think it's a little overrated as well yeah see I see him more as a number four starter than even a two or three with the with the ceiling I think the floor is just so not there for as far as how much hype this guy gets and you look at like Mm -hmm. I said the minor league numbers he absolutely went off in double a but it's like who's he facing that's always a big thing for me I don't think his competition was very that was very strong I also just think he leaves way too many breaking balls over the middle of the plate and that's just a huge concern for someone who's very close to getting to the major leagues some people believe he could be in the rotation out of spring training even and i i just don't see it i don't think this guy is anything more than a fastball command guy at the moment Mm -hmm. so another guy that i think we should bring up is second baseman justin foscue because this is a guy that some people like some people don't definitely not a good defensive second baseman he's more so a hit guy and by hit i don't mean hit for average i mean powered because this guy mm. probably is going to hit probably average for hit as far as on the hit scale or the 28 hit scale the 2080 scale probably about a probably about a 50 maybe 55 future but it's his power his power is probably a 55 and the thing about him is like i said his defense is nothing even close to jonathan india he doesn't have the range this guy's just a bigger, stockier guy who probably won't even end up at second base in the next few years because he's just not as athletic as people think he is. But he's got good power, but he's a mistake hitter. He's one of those guys that if you leave a mistake over over the plate, he's going to crush it. He's not a guy who's going to hit the ball the other way. He's going to pull most of, the, of his, uh, his, his swings are going to be mostly pull. And he's not a guy who really has that great of an eye. So there's, there's a lot to not like about him. But because people like the power with him, He's hyped up in this organization, and I don't think there are many people who believe he's a top 100, but there are a couple who have him in their top 100 and believe that he belongs there, and I, I'm just not a fan of believing in that hype yet. I don't like guys mm. who don't have defense and are only sticks, especially at second base. I don't agree with that being a top 100 prospect. How do you feel about yeah. that? No, I, I, I don't like him. I think he's a one-trick pony, like you said. He's all. I mean, it's it's a big trick. I mean, he hit 30, 35 home runs, and that's and that's a lot of production from a second baseman. But I mean, he's got a two thirty swing. I mean, his fastballs up are going to eat him alive. He can't get those, like you said. It's going to have to be, it's going to have to be a fastball low or in the middle of the plate. He's not a good defender. He's and a lot of people are rating him in the top five in that organization. He's. All power, and like you said, I think a second baseman. If if you're gonna have a one trick, I mean, to me, it's gotta be. I mean, it's gotta be defense at second base. And if you're gonna be a power guy, I mean, that's you already have two. We just mentioned two other guys that are probably be first base, third baseman, DH, and he might be the worst fielder out of all three of them. So, and, and being a big power guy, I don't, I don't see much, much potential out of him. I I think he's just because the power is so enticing for people. They they're kind of 
and that's losing the idea that he can't now. do anything else. Yeah, and that's where the value is in this game today. It's all about the power, right? So if you graded him, you're fielding, you look at a 45. His arm's a 45. His run's a 40, maybe. Yeah, those are I mean, not, that's I those are not grades. Those are not grades you give a guy at a top 100. Now, of course, they are grading it differently, but the power is not enough to grade a guy to put him at a 55 overall. I think that's where people have met. I'd say the best, nicest thing to say about him right now is he's an average player at a 50 just because he could hit 20, 22 homers with that 225, 230 average, like you mm-hmm. said, Nick. So we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, Yeah, Nick, probably one more. But, yeah. So I want to harp on two guys that I think you don't even know, Nick. One guy being Blaine Krim and Zach Kent. They're two guys that are underrated in the system. And the reason I like Blaine Krim is because he's got good power. You look at his minor league numbers. He He's a guy who hits mistake pitches, but he's a guy that can definitely get into the organization quickly because they're going to need some offensive production if they're going to contend with Simeon and Seager. And I think this guy grades out with a 60-power swing. Like I said, you look at his numbers, he put out, I think it was like 25, 28 home runs. Can't remember off the top of my head. But it's a good power hitter that could play in the outfield. And then Zach Ken is a guy who gets very slept on in this organization. He might actually have better stuff than Cole Wynn as of right now. And I just think he's got this cutter-like slider that works really well into left-handed batters. Whereas Cole Wynn doesn't have that. He doesn't have that equalizer. doesn't have a changeup to go into lefty. Zach Kent is one of those guys who has something different about his shape of his breaking stuff that makes him a more qualified secondary pitcher versus Cole Wynn. And I just like the movement in his pitches. And, of course, he also had really good minor league numbers. So two guys in this organization that make it a little bit deeper than it was before, as everyone else agrees with, saying it's not as good. But if you put Blaine Krim and Zach Kent in that organization and rank them, it's a little bit better on paper. But it's still not a dominating organization. It still needs a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have too much on on Krim. I know he's he's a solid hitter and, and one of the another first base guy. But uh, for me, I I'm not sold on the Kent train. I think he's a uh, He's an electric pitcher. He's got a wipeout slider, but control's been an issue. And he's, to me, he's a he's a middle relief setup or swing man. I I, I don't know if there's a starter in his potential. Um, it, and I know we talked about Win not not having stuff, but at least he can throw strikes in the zone. I think when you look at guys in the minors getting guys out, a lot of I mean, minor leaguers don't have pitch recognition. Even the best of them are going to swing and miss at, at, at pitches they shouldn't have any business swinging at. And and, and for me, I think. Kent's in that boat of he's just he's a slider pitcher he's, and it's a nasty slider but I don't see much else behind him um setup relief kind of guy and the, I mean the Rangers have great great bullpen success over the past two years and I think he might be an, another potential in that role I don't know how they're going to use him um or what they're going to do with him but to me I, I I think Kent's where he's at and again Krim I'm not not don't have too much uh, too much to take on him Krim hit 29 homers last year in A ball and double A combined and hit 296 with a 358 on base. So those are decent numbers to say the guy should probably get moved up pretty quickly just because the he's Rangers like, what is he, like 20, 25? I think he's Something actually like only 24. Let me just double check that real quick. He is 24, correct. He'll be 25 eventually. So his window is probably closing at some point, but at the same time, it should be opening because the Rangers don't have an outfield really. It's still a, a flux at the moment. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that will uh, wrap up our hybrid episode of the lockout and Rangers prospects. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. We, we we fiddled with the idea of doing like a top 10 at the position now, which sounds kind of fun, kind of like MLB Network. 
Did we do that one time? I don't know if we no, did. No, we, we did. We did like our favorites, like stuff like that. But yeah, I don't that could be kind did. of fun. So maybe we'll do that. We'll just see how the lockout goes. Maybe we'll be talking spring training next week. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 uh, we'll come with an episode regardless. We're on Apple Podcasts, at your Google Play Music, wherever you get your audio. We're on social media at Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter, and our email is Stitches Podcast at gmail.com. All right, we'll talk to y'all later.